Howdy duty and welcome to, to the Bourbon Four Show, where I have a face for radio. Apparently, what does that mean? <laughs> like what? Like what? Is, like is that? Oh, I don't know. I've always thought that was. Funny. I don't know if we want to go down that road, Zach. But uh... no, I, you're right. Anyway, how's it going? It is well. It's uh. I'm just I, I don't want to continue to preach to the choir. It's just this is the busy time of the year. I know that I said that on last week's show. This week is no different. Uh, what makes of, it different? There, there, it doesn't. It, it is just as busy last week, uh, this week as it was last week. But uh, tonight we have our our venture out with NASA Langley, which will be cool. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, but it's just uh, that's you know what it's like when you're doing events to try to get everybody coordinated. And then when you're working with a, a, a large organization like NASA Langley and you have to, to try to get people onto the installation and go through security and, and all that stuff there, it's just a, it's a heavy, heavy lift. So uh, big already hard enough to get people to attend. Then you have to do all this pre stuff. Like I would be more worried. Like if I was in that situation doing events, I'd be like, well, hopefully all these people who bought tickets show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, with that, I mean, it's yeah, it's just it, it's not that events uh, events are super super difficult, but boy, does that add a layer of complexity uh, when you do something with dealing with rockets and national security and that kind of stuff. Not that it's national security, but you know, you, you, they just don't let anybody in. Sounds like a pest. <laughs> I see where you're going with that, Zach. That's uh, I like it. My former journalism comedy. Um, I actually worked on a comedy bit recently. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is, but uh, <laughs> I, I I presented it to one person, and they're like, "That's not funny." And they're there. They said, uh, "What you should do is record it." And then it was like a 30, maybe 60 second bit, and they're like, "You should record it and then send it out to." Uh, to your newsletter and see what people think and think if it's funny. And I was like, all right, I guess I should do that. But <laughs> I don't know. Cause I think sometimes the things that I think are funny and others, you know, just maybe. It's just like the show. We have a conversation with our guests that we find interesting. And if other people don't find them interesting, they can hit the, the 30 second skip button or, um, you know, whatever they need to do. Yeah. But, Welcome, well, welcome to the, to show. the show. Yeah. yeah. Jinx by yeah. Minnesota. That's never been said on this show before. It's episode 182. Two. So it is. Okay. Long time. Yeah. Diana, Sherry, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I love shows like this because when I know absolutely nothing about you guys and I've never met you, that means it's just like us getting coffee for the first time. And we get to really explore and deep dive and, and, and find out some interesting stuff about you guys. So the first question I have is as I go to the website and I try to pronounce the, the name and me being a guy who is supposed to know how to speak for a living uh, because I you know used to have to introduce people on a TV show. And uh, Tim's heard the story before. Like if someone had like an easy first name, hard last name, I'd just be like, all right, we're here with Tim. Tim, how are you? And I would never say the last name. And, you know, I think that's frowned upon in, in the media world, but I just didn't want to pronounce their last name wrong. So, um, I don't know. So, so how do I pronounce the, the company name? Um, I can go ahead and tell you. Um, it's Agricision. And how okay. we came up with that name was, uh, well, we want, wanted to like put ag agriculture and precision together. So we just Agricision. I like it. I, yeah. now, that makes it much easier for me. What you know, knowing that knowing that I can remember those two words. So, thank you for that explanation. You're welcome. And, and so, what's this, what's what's the genesis behind the business then? With with, I'm assuming there's agriculture and there's precision. So, tell us about the uh, the genesis of this, uh, the business and what you do. What problem do you solve? Uh, okay, so I will. I'll take a shot at it. Uh, my husband and I are farmers, and uh, what we that what this company is doing, what we're doing is we're helping farmers with early pest detection. Um, and a lot of people don't really understand what farmers go through, or what you know, even probably anything about the agricultural industry. And so, it, 
we deal with weeds and insects and disease all the time. And there's not a lot of ways to, to deal with that other than spraying and spraying and spraying with chemicals and, you know, just loads of chemicals. So we decided to create, to find another solution. Um, and we, so we've developed a, a technology that, that can do that. The, because I've always heard of like uh, the weather being a big issue, and I guess mm -hmm. maybe animals being um, yeah. in, in certain situations. I guess the pest thing makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't want pests to be in your house, but there's obviously going to be, uh, if you look at a, a, a piece of lettuce, you know, there might be a, um, something in there, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, there's there's bugs out there. <laughs> but from, from this world, like, there's just never been anything like that before. It's, it, it just seems wild that the way that we've been doing it is, it is the way that it is. It really is. It's, it's, it's a tradition that, that is brought down for, for many, many years. Um, hmm. You know, I guess before we had big sprayers, um, they had to deal with it by, you know, deal with the weeds by hand. And still we do. Like if there's just a few weeds out there that, and we can get into those, get into the field without messing up the field and pull out the weeds by hand you can do that um but it's it you know it's just not the way that we do it if 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 we see some weeds or see a problem then we we go we load the sprayer up and just spray and that's the way it's you know it's always been or at least the last hundred years this may seem like a really elementary question but I have to ask it because I just don't know. So the 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 issue with weeds is that they do they steal the nutrients or yes. from the crop? Is that the 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 prop the main problem? Absolutely. They they not only steal the nutrients, they steal the moisture. Uh, so if you do have a nice rain, which we always I never frown upon rain, um, and and we get the moisture in the ground, the weeds compete with the crops for that for that moisture, and they take away the moisture. Um, in the soil. It takes away the nutrients. It also, uh, there are also many weeds that actually physically choke the root of the crop. Oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. Who knew this and I guess was going to be so When you multiply vicious. that over acres and acres and acres, then you have a significant problem. Absolutely. And, and one of our main weeds that we... Uh, we try to combat one like like public enemy number one for our, for farmers is what's called a pigweed, um, and a pigweed at full maturity can c contain up to five hundred thousand seeds, and if you let that seed out, which means you let that those seeds hit the ground, you know, after it's fully grown, that seeds will hit the ground. You're going to be dealing with those seed those pigweeds coming back for a, at least seven years, so you're going to have a problem in that area year after year after year so if you can get rid of that before before the seed hits the ground that's that's doing something big and that's what we're trying to do can you see these can you see the violent aspect of this like in real time or is it something that just takes a long period of time where you'd have to have like a time lapse going on it um so so like if i if i'm if i'm watching the plant mm -hmm. am i going to be able to see the the negative aspect of the the pigweed going after it or is it something that takes weeks to to actually happen well uh, actually that's a good question i mean if you i guess if you do a time lapse uh video on it you could see where the pigweed is in an area in but say usually weeds grow in between rows until the canopy what's called the canopy goes over the weed mm -hmm. um and when the rows come together and those leaves from the from the row next door comes in and greets the leaves of the crop um th when they come together the weeds the weeds aren't as bad but before that happens if the weeds are growing and you allow them to grow they're going to come up and they're going to separate those crops because they're going to come up and 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 I know you all, everyone has probably heard the term growing like a weed. Well, you know what? The, the weeds grow when there's no rain. The weeds are, they're resilient. They'll, they'll grow all the time. And as you know, if you even have a lawn in your yard, you know, the weeds are growing faster than the grass is, right? 
And, and so if you have a problem and let it go, it, it gets out of hand quick. The bane of my existence makes me Who created weeds? I mean, like, why would they do that to us? It's like, I, I bet a farmer created weeds or someone. someone <laughs> <laughs> one of, yeah, one of the problems that we are trying to solve is uh, resistance because because weeds are growing resistant to the chemicals that are out on the market. So a farmer sprays the field and and uh, one of the things that we are uh, doing is trying to reduce the number of times that a farmer sprays. So a farmer sprays the field uh, approximately 10 times during a growing season. And these weeds are growing resistant to the chemicals being applied. So that means that the farmer has to spray more. So our solution is an all-in-one scout sprayer. So what it'll do is it'll go out and it'll scan the field and it'll identify weeds that are in the field and then it'll spot spray it immediately. So what we're hoping to do is reduce the number of times the farmer has to spot spray or spray, sorry, broad spectrum spray the field and then allow to spot spray when necessary. And I would imagine that from, so like, do, do you have any idea now from a data standpoint, like how many gallons of chemicals are used when you're just spraying the entire field and then reducing that to spot spray, I would imagine it's probably 95% reduction. I would not it's, knowing anything about this. It's about, it's probably about 70. I think we've calculated about a 70% reduction in chemicals, saving yes. the farmer almost $250,000 a year in chemicals. And that is a, a size of a 500 acre yeah, size is what that's our we use are, case. Use mm -hmm. case, yeah. So if you have more than that, yeah, exactly. As a as a consumer of food, um, obviously hearing the amount of things that are being sprayed over the years is just astronomical. Like, yeah, it it seems like it's not healthy. Obviously, we're still living through it, but like, it it just seems so weird that like no one would want to fix this like not big companies, things like this. Like I've seen plenty of docu uh, documentaries around the farming industry. It just, it just seems like you guys are pressured into certain ways of doing stuff um, from, from some of the big brands. It's just, it, it seems, it seems wild that, well, I guess maybe it shouldn't seem wild because people are, are, are money hungry, but like, why, like how safe, how safe are the chemicals that we're putting on, on 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 the stuff like it just it just seems wild 10 times a year that. you guys are spraying that like i i would if i was growing lettuce in my backyard i wouldn't spray it once and like no. it's it's just it's crazy but you have it, to yeah you have to and and i can this is very personal for me mm -hmm. uh and back in uh, 2014 i was diagnosed with, with breast cancer and so I, this, the whole thing of chemicals is personal because as we know with the Roundup issue, um, chemicals are uh, a direct linked uh, to causing cancer. Um, so that is, that is when I became very, very aware of it and very, um, that's when we came up with the idea of, okay, we got to do something different. We got to, we got to spray less. Now, you know, and then you go on the organic route. And it, personally, I do buy as much organic as possible on the food that I consume, but we grow row crops, row crops. And, 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 if, and if anybody doesn't know the difference between what is a row crop and what is, uh, say, a specialty crop, um, row crops are, are more, they're, they're more, um, they're used more for food for the, the animals that we eat, like turkeys, uh, chickens, um, cows. hogs, mm -hmm. cows, cows, right? So we grow soybeans, wheat, cotton, and um, corn. And so row crops, they're used to, you know, we sell to Purdue. Purdue feeds them to their, you know, the cattle, the, you know, all the, the meat. And then, so you're getting it indirectly that way. Um, so to totally eliminate uh, chemicals would be, you couldn't do that. You just, you just can't totally eliminate them, but you sure can, you know, make a lot less chemicals on, on that aspect. 
and even organic, even uh, growing organic, you still have to spray. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One year, my husband, um, Ken decided he wanted to grow edible beans in one of our fields. And so he had to go by strict guidelines and use only, only certain chemicals that were allowed on that, on that field. But this is what the funny part is. One day he came home with this horrible, horrible smell on his shirt and his t-shirt was covered in his white t-shirt was yellow, had like yellow splotches all over it. I said, Ken, wh what'd you use? What is that? He said, oh, that's the chemical that I had to put on that crop. And I'm like, are you crazy? He said, Diana, it was 10 times worse than regular Roundup. And I'm like, that's just insane. And you're allowed to eat that? It's just... But, oh, hey, it was okay to eat it because it was on the list that he could use. So it's just it's just kind of crazy. Well, I wish I would have wow. eaten before this. Yeah, I know. Harvest food sounds much, no. Yeah, it's just, gosh. Yeah, it's really challenging. That's mm -hmm. it's mm. challenging. Very. And I, like, I get it. And I'm not like, I'm not trying to be negative toward, towards farming or anything like that. It's just, it's just crazy because like you, you eat, you eat this food and like you trust it because it's on a list. And then to find out years later, it's like, yo, like, what are we doing? Like, I thought we were trying to be healthy and like all this other stuff. And it's just like, I heard like, uh, like Cheerios get sprayed with stuff. And it's just like, mm -hmm. come on, like, what are, what are we doing? Like, this is, this is for the kids. You know, we, we tell these kids it's okay to eat this and you find out maybe it's not, it's just, it's wild. Like the trust aspect of it is just, I don't, it is, I guess. it is what, in terms of, of ag tech. Where, where where is the the Silicon Valley of ag tech? Is there a location that stands out that that people turn to that that you're aware of? I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. I know that there are other that we do have competitors in the market. I do know that um, that there are other uh, products out there that are. Uh, that are working in the market to uh, look at the, the nutrients of the, the crop and the ground and things like that. Uh, what we're trying to do is early to get out in the field early uh, and uh, look at the pests before destruction takes place. And a lot of our competitors are in the field after uh, the destruction has taken place. So, but I'm not sure of where like a Silicon Valley of ag tech is. I know that we went through an accelerator in, in Memphis uh, early on. I think that was during COVID because it was all online. We didn't go to Memphis. So I know Tennessee has um, this uh, program in Memphis. So if I had to say they have a great program, there are a lot of- Yeah. Um, I mean, just hearing this, it makes so much sense that it's like, yeah, we. this is something that there's a this is a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. It's not only healthier healthier for people, but it's it saves money for the farmers. Uh, it, so it's a win win win. But it's one of those things where it's like Metro Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. where you, they they only see the end product. They don't see the problem as it's being experienced. Right. So uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting as I listen to you talk about this. Where is the ag tech capital? And because and the other thing I'm thinking about is we're talking about this is we've had quite a few zach i don't know what the number is but we've had multiple ag tech companies mm -hmm. on this show and we're at episode 182 um mm -hmm. so it's just i don't know i'm just i'm always looking for patterns and signs to see mm -hmm. you know what things what things could virginia emerge as because we do have rural virginia right? and, mm -hmm. and the rural side as well yeah i mean that's you guys are in Sedley. Is that where you guys are based? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I've been, I don't know if I've actually been to Sedley. I've been south to, to Franklin and, and, and stuff like that. And obviously you drive, you know, I live in Chesapeake. Tim lives in Yorktown. You know, we, we drive an hour west. I think it's west. Yes. It's west. We, we drive an hour west. And, you know, for a lot of it, a lot of it is is kind of just farmland. And I don't think people expect that, you know. And so it makes sense. That you know there is a lot of this, like Tim said. Look, we've we've talked to a lot of founders from that from that standpoint. But speaking about that, farmers for a long time. Now you guys are, are founders of, of of something that you know the farmer to to founder table would seem kind of that, that should be the title of the episode, Zach. 
Farmer to founder. I literally Ooh, wrote I like it down. That. Farmer, farmer to founder. I can't remember farmer what I came up. I came up with a, a title. I don't remember okay. what it was. You all can, yeah, it, you can take credit a, for Zach's uh, thing too. Like that can be your byline you. as well. You <laughs> we like it. that. Thank you. Um, there's more of that. I'll take two percent of the company. You know, all the success. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting. It's it's always interesting to hear people who have done some sort of business craft um, career for so long, and then they turn into the actual kind of founder of a business. They go into the entrepreneurial route. Not that farmers aren't entrepreneurial in that way, but it, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's not, it's unique. It's not something you always hear about. So was that something that you guys grew up thinking, Hey, this is something that we can do. Like where, where did the, the farmer to founder aspect come into play? Uh, that's quite interesting. Um, no, that, that we did not grow up. <laughs> well, actually Ken, you know, he's, he's been farming all his life. My husband has been farming, over 30, 35 years, um, more than that. But, uh, and I was a, uh, an accountant for an engineering firm before I, before we created this company. So it, no, we did when we came up with this idea, we, we immediately went to a patent attorney and got a, you know, a patent on our idea. We didn't really plan on creating a company. And then we got together with, uh, our other two founders, Sherry and um, Jason, our IT um, head of IT, and just said, "Let's just make a company." And and it's just been going really fast, and it's just been one thing right after the other. And it, you know, hopefully it'll it'll really really get going when we get our our uh, prototype two version two on the. Uh, after testing, which will be next month. And we're really, really excited about that. We already have a prototype one that we tested uh, and it's just not gonna be up in the air, being able to get up in the air long enough, but our version two is remodeled and it, it looks it looks to be really amazing, so. Tell them where excited. the idea for uh, Scout X2 came from. It's an the, interesting story. The field? Yeah. Okay. Tell so, the field story. All right. Uh, so Ken, Ken and I were looking over um, one of our um, fields back in 2016, and he saw um, several weeds growing over the over the canopy um, in different places in the field. And he said, "There's only one. Or two, there's only two choices I have. I could either go out there, pull those weeds out by hand, or I could load up the sprayer and spray the whole field." And so he proceeded to go out there and pull them by hand. Well, he, the only, there's only one thing that he's a scared, that he's afraid of, and that's snakes. Well, as he's walking in the field, <laughs> as, he, as he's walking in the field, there's a snake. He's like, well, I'm not going in the field. And he loaded up the sprayer and spray it and sprayed the whole field. But we both said there has got to be a better way um, than just those two choices. There was nothing else out on the market at the time. And so we put our heads together and we said, well, what if you could just spray those areas, you know, just those areas. And so that's, that's what we started. So with, with that, um, how, how are you, are, I'm, I'm just thinking about your revenue model. Is this like going to be like, like, uh, as, a, as I'm trying to, think, it's not, it's not, what's the play on word for SAS, you know, farming is a spraying as a service kind of thing. Uh, you know, so, like, does the farmer need to, do they purchase the technology and then they're responsible or do they, as a subscription service where you go out every so often, you do, you do the scanning and then you do the treatment? How, how does, how does that work? Right. So hopefully uh, what we're trying to do is a dual revenue model. We'll have a subscription model that they subscribe to, but they're also going to purchase the drone as well. So they'll purchase the drone. The drone requires a subscription model. Okay. So more like the razor model where you buy the, whatever the, the blade separately. The and then yeah, there's the, the hardware and then they purchase the software. Got it. And, and how have the farmers been in terms of adopting that new type of technology in terms of like how many farmers have you talked to and what is that? I'm assuming that it was well received since you're moving forward with the business, yeah. but yeah. How yeah. is it when it's, when it comes to introducing new technologies 
too. I, and stereotypically, it seems like farmers are, it's more a traditional Stuck occupation. It is. Yeah. And uh, what we're finding a lot of, and Diana probably can talk to this. Uh, we've talked to a lot of farmers, over a thousand farmers. And what we're finding is that the older farmers are kind of quote unquote cow tied to traditional practices, but they're children are not. They are more technical savvy. Some of them have drones already and they are excited about the new technology and they want drones in the field. In fact, some of them already have drones and they're using them now to do other things. They're using them to um, scout their field already, but they don't, they don't realize they're scouting their field. They just go out and they're looking for things in their field or maybe they're Snakes. using their drone to see yeah things like that. So it, it's kind of interesting. And all the, you know, everyone that we've talked to at shows, because we have been going to shows for the last couple of years to, to kind of talk about our technology and see how it'll be received. It, it's been received pretty well. And we have a, we have a group of seven beta testers right now uh, that will be trying it out. So from a, from a business perspective, it, it sounds like you guys don't have any um, any paying customers yet. Is that true? Not yet. We're still okay. uh, this prototype that Diana was talking about, our first prototype. We were really hoping that that would be our go to market product, that we could begin to do pre-sales with that. What mm -hmm. we discovered in testing was that it it did not stay up in the air as long as we needed it to stay up in the air. And that's Got why it. we kind of pivoted to the second iteration. Uh, and um, so hopefully in November, we'll be able to, in just a few short weeks, we'll have that, we'll be able to test that, and we'll be able to go to market with that. And, and to be doing this for as long as you guys have without bringing revenue in, I mean, how, how do you guys how do you guys go through that from a just saving money from the farming aspect of it and then, and then investing into this? Like, yes. are there long nights? Like, just from like an emotional, like, I'm trying, I want this thing, we're close, but we're not there yet. Oh. Like. You, you hear a lot of stores, not necessarily in the style of business that you guys are doing, but a, a, a lot of founders that are just throwing in a lot of cash yeah. and then not seeing a return yet. Like, how do you guys just fundamentally get through any of that situation? We are bootstrapping a lot. <laughs> and yeah. we have been through, uh, well, we are in 757 Accelerate right now. So we've gotten money from that. We have CCF founding, uh, CCF funding, sorry, not founding, funding, uh, which has helped us build our first prototype. We had a, initially we were partnered with Virginia Tech. We did a pilot program with them, which got us a little bit of money uh, to do a pilot program with them. And it, it allowed us to have Virginia Tech uh, as a partner, which was good. The majority of the money, though, has come from uh, BIPC through their uh, Commonwealth Commercialization Fund which was $75,000, which really helped. And, but the rest has been us. Yeah. My husband, he, we're, we're far, like I said, we're farmers, but he also has a, what we call a day job. Day job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we could have insurance, you know, you gotta have health insurance. Yeah. Um, because I quit my job, uh, my full-time job about, it's been about two years now to, mm -hmm. to do this full-time. Right. So, um, yeah. And I don't have a day job. I just have this. <laughs> and it's and one time. day it will pay off. Yes, it will. This is my day job. <laughs> yeah, you have a day job. This is it. I like this that. is it. This is my day job. You know, we're we're in that world where you you know, I don't know that it's frowned upon as it used to be. You know, 10, 10, 15, 30 years ago. You know, why don't you work for the man? You know, that was kind of the way. And now it's like, yeah, you don't you don't have to do that. You can become, you know the the person that's creating, which is really cool. Yeah. So, you had mentioned that, that there you have a couple other co-founders as well. We do. Uh, we have uh, Jason Gillikin is our um, our technology director, um, and he is um, he's been with us since the beginning. So he's been doing you know the software building and and the all the tech stuff, which. I cannot speak to hardly at all <laughs> uh, other than just coming up with the idea and he's, you know, running with it. Um, and then our, earlier this year, we uh, added on our team, um, Mickey Cowden, who is, uh, he's also, 
a data or actually he's a roboticist as well mm -hmm. as Sherry, what? He's a, he's a software engineer and he brings yeah. a, ro a roboticist background. Uh, the mm -hmm. software can go on any autonomous device and hopefully right now we're starting off on a drone, but we also hope to be on robots and Mickey will add that component. To it. Uh, Jason is a database architect. And when we were getting started with the software, he built up our wireframe and the database that all of our imaging, uh, our data collection is going into. One of the things that sets us apart from our competitors is that we, we can tell you what's in the field. We can tell you exactly what's in the field. So if it's a pigweed or a mare's tail, our competition can only see green and growing a, a weed we can tell you exactly what weed it is and where it is. And that's what Jason uh, was able to do for us. He was able to get that database set up, store the images of that collected data. And that's all using uh, computer vision, AI? Yeah, it's using to... AI, uh, TensorFlow, um, YOLO, YOLO object detection, TensorFlow. It's a TensorFlow model. Wow, that's uh, uh, and we have a Jetson right now. We've pivoted. Um, we have pivoted to a Jetson onboard computer. So what that's going to do is when the uh, drone flies over the field and uses uh, YOLO object detection, it will use the uh, TensorFlow uh, model to uh, compare it to an image in our database and. And once it's verified, once it finds a mare's tail or a pigweed in the field, the it will the Jetson will say, "Yep, that's a mare's tail. That's a pigweed," and it will allow it to spot spray immediately. Do you record everything and then do all the tagging when it comes back, or does the drone have a five G type of connection that it can just drop pins on the spot when it detects yeah, the difference? It'll it'll do it automatically. It does everything instantly. And all the data it collects is ours. How, how many drones are out there that are able that you guys are able to tap into? I mean, you said you wanted to sell a certain drone. Are you guys creating a drone or yes. like? Yeah, okay. it's a custom made drone. And so customers would have to use that drone. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in the future, you're thinking about having them go on to other drones? Well, actually, the software can go on. Right now, our software is compatible with DJI version 200, 300, and 350. Uh, you would yeah. have to uh, purchase a kit uh, to have our software on board. And then it may uh, you may have to have a camera depending on uh, the drone. Uh, but we have kind of held back on that because we really want to get this uh, the drone out. And we were closer to getting the drone out to the kit. Yeah. What's the cost going to be? About forty thousand retail for the drone. And then, in terms of, uh, and and I feel like we're just this is uh, we're peppering you with questions uh, okay. more than with most guests. But the thing is, I find it really, really interesting. And like, this is a perfect example of like knowing the numbers and knowing the data is mm -hmm. going to, I mean, that that just paves your case moving forward in the sense of, so like now I'm like thinking about what's the flight time of those particular drones and how much uh, coverage can they hit mm -hmm. in the field? And uh, talk about those numbers. So the drone can fly for two hours um, in the field and it is, it can fly for two hours and cover 85 acres. And what it will do is it flies at about 10 feet. And then what it will do to spot spray, it will come down and it, it can't hover. They don't want it to hover over because of the uh, battery that it'll eat up, but it will slow down and it will spot spray. The reason that we've gone to this drone, uh, the second iteration of the drone is we had a quad prop drone and the prop wash was blowing the chemicals all over the place. And that's one thing that we didn't want to do. We mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that the chemicals were dropped where the chemicals were supposed to go. And what's the payload of the chemicals that can be carried on the drone? Um, it's, it's a gallon. I believe it's a gallon and a half. Yeah, a gallon and a half. And so then it, and it is, what's, is, what's the, how does that alter the flight time? Does that reduce it by a certain amount? No, it, it should be uh, at the same 
uh, capacity of yeah. flight time with mm -hmm. a, a full load. Yeah. Yeah. How big are these bad boys? Six and a half. A six, six foot? foot wingspan? Six, yeah. Six yeah. and a half. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> that thing is in the room. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a full-on car. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a it's a tail sitter drone as opposed to a quad prop uh, drone. So it's going to be unlike anything that uh, is out there right now that sprays. So it's kind of going to look like all those movies where the aliens were coming after yeah. all the, <laughs> all the fields. Right. And then you know this is actually going to be something that saves saves folks two hundred fifty thousand dollars per five hundred acres. I mean that's a that's a pretty pretty big steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's what we're hoping. What's the shipping going to be like for these? That's a good question. We that's haven't got to that point. We haven't got to that point yet. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a good question because, you know, we're going to we're going to obviously provide or, or figure out at the beginning on how we want to handle like instructions and things like that. And, and, and you know, teach teach the farmers how to how to use it. So um, we're still but, working through that. Yeah. Or, or we could be like um, Starlink. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say any like name brand things, but I just got a Starlink on because I live, you know, in the middle of nowhere and had no Internet. And it came the Starlink um, satellite dish, I guess you could call it, came with just a, uh, an app that you loaded and it taught you it told you exactly where to put it on your house how to put it on your house and it's working like a charm i love it thank you are you are you using starlink right now yes i am it's fabulous well that's great can we, can we talk about this like yeah. i don't I've, I've i've no one's ever brought i don't think this has ever come up on the show but like i've been to plenty of rural areas where they talk about last mile issues right so for people who don't know like there's a main road that typically has some sort of internet connection and then getting it out onto those side roads is the difficult part that's the last mile aspect of it mm -hmm. yeah i just saw that there was a ton of money invested in the country and trying to fix internet from a, a yeah last it makes mile me crazy and i was like Hold is, on. just give yeah, everybody it, a starlink and that's what i was thinking yeah, it's like you just you just showed how easy that is. like I don't understand why we're trying to fix it the old way. I know why because lobbyists are going and they're saying this is how we have to do it. But it makes no freaking sense. Like you want to be right. innovative. It's like put the damn thing on your house. There's a there's an app to install. I don't have Starlink. Yeah. Like I I have no skin in the game. It just seems like that's such an easy fix to get people internet. Yeah. Rather than the other way, I'm just like, yeah. what are we doing? Like because yeah. we have I been remember, waiting. I, was it yeah, Warrington? I did, a, I did a school that they a, tested. I don't know. Starlink did. A, right. They did a, a a beta test with with a, a Virginia school to to prove mm -hmm. out the model from an educational standpoint. Yeah. yeah, and that's much more difficult than a residential standpoint. I remember yeah. I gave a talk on the Eastern Shore, uh, maybe five years ago, and a lot of the things that I was presenting to them they said look we love what you're saying but we have huge internet issues and i was like yeah. you know i just don't think about that because i don't you know well my internet goes out every time in the middle of this show every week so <laughs> hopefully it doesn't today but um i don't have the internet issues that a lot of these you know last mile um individuals and companies have and so it's just that was the first time i i, I really under, understood it or it came to my attention it's just everyone trying to fix about internet the wrong way in hampton yeah. roads yeah. And, well, that's because they hate Cox. Well, yeah, but the, but my thing is is that, you know, Diana right now, I'm sure is probably averaging 350 meg download speed and if for 115 bucks a month. I mean, it's just one of the it, it it's it makes me it makes me insane. Well, and, and let me just tell you the the ironic part of this. Uh Ken and I have been waiting for internet for we've been here for 16 years and it had, and Sherry can tell you, I have to actually, there's been many a call that I would have to drive my car with the computer mm -hmm. and it down the road and use my hotspot on my phone. I can't call on my phone. Right. Well, I can't even use my phone at this house. Now I can, cause I'm doing the Wi-Fi calling through the Starlink, mm -hmm. but we'd been waiting forever and got the Starlink about, I don't know, three or four months ago, working like a charm. And guess what they're doing in front of my house right now. They're probably installing the fiber right now. Spectrum. Yes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But you know what? I'm not taking it. I'm sticking no. with Starlink. 
Well, I, and I Starlink, know. it's just the beginning right now. They have so yeah. many cards that they haven't turned over yet, and it's just yeah. going to continue to improve. It's right. just, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, I would <laughs> like to uh, cordially welcome you to the Information Superhighway, and uh, let's let, let's go. <laughs> Thank you very much. And this will help our product out because I tell you sure. what, you I mean, you do need a Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. um, you do need, and we have. Um, are we going to have onboard um, RTK? Um, which I don't know if you guys know what it, it's like a GPS, but even better. It's like the the new ver it's called real time kinetic, I believe. And it it's actually more accurate than GPS. And so we'll have that aboard our um, our drone. And and you do have to have a Wi-Fi connection, which we mm -hmm. will have access to. So which is great. Yeah, we were using Starlink there when they were testing, when they were out testing originally. No, we were no, we oh, were using data, right? The OnStar link? The OnStar, yes. Yeah, OnStar. Yeah. Does Starlink, Starlink cost money to get the actual hardware? You buy the, yes, yeah, you the, buy the, the initial hard hardware. Yeah. yeah, the hardware is like 600 bucks, but uh -huh. it is worth every penny. I will just tell you that right now. <laughs> well, yeah, you just said you've lived there for however long, never had it. Had you 16 drive down the years. Street? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it's insane. Can you imagine a kid without a phone? I mean, they, they wouldn't be able to do that. And you did it for 16 years. Die. I mean, it's, Hey, and I'm I'm getting I'm getting stuff on my my TV. I've never well, I have Direct TV, but I'm like going, oh my gosh, there's so much more out there. And now I can do Netflix and all this stuff. And Ken, Ken is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's that's really really cool. Uh, just in terms of the to hear a real world story about that and, and the effects that it has. It's um, mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. That's really neat. What's um, my next series of questions is it's like, how big is the average farmer's field in terms of uh, not, even beyond Virginia in the sense of like, it, it, like in terms of, so if, if they know that they have a farmer knows they have to do like 200 acres, uh, do they get, do they, it's just a matter to swapping out battery packs real quick and then they just go up or you know, how does that work when you're covering a huge, huge plot of land um, in one day's work, so to speak? So, yeah. So what we've decided is um, the average, actually the average farm in the United States is about 500 acres. And what we had thought, uh, we did our use case for 500 acres. And then what we thought is maybe one drone per, per thousand acres. So if a farmer has over a thousand acres, we hopefully sell them two drones. I know that we have, there are farmers around this area that have 25,000 acres and they would probably need uh, four or five drones. We're, wow. Yeah. So we'd probably give them, you know, a break on, the subscription model. We had talked with them about that, but working with them with drones and things like that, um, they do. I know that they want to see it when this thing gets up, when, you know, the, um, the second version gets going. So we're excited to, to show them, but I'm not sure how many they would need. I know that, that yeah. they're, you know, in several different locations. Zach, one thing that you may not know about me back in back in my youth, when I was in in the Air Force, I was stationed in North time. Dakota. Yeah, I was stationed, yeah, and I was I was out in the missile fields in, uh, in North Dakota, and we would just, I mean we would drive hours. I mean, and you're just the only thing you have, like you were saying, you just, it's just one road, and you just follow the telephone with the utility poles, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, the, so the, those are big, big fields. I mean, it's uh, fascinating. Yeah, I noticed those in the uh, hit movie Dumb and Dumber when uh, Lloyd Christmas <laughs> is <laughs> driving the scooter down. <laughs> That's, so, okay, so a guy who can't visualize anything. Um, 500 acres is how big? Uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty big. Um, I, I don't know what to compare it to. Yeah, no, I don't um, either. I'm trying to say how many football fields would that be? <laughs> uh, I'd have to do the math, but um, 500 acres is pretty good. We, we farm currently about 350 acres at one time we were farming a thousand. Um, but uh, it's a lot of work with just two people. In fact, um, he had me in the combine. I was the combine driver and, and uh, harvested the, uh, the crops. So that was fun. 
Do you put yeah. a, can you put a Starlink in a combine when you're out there in the, uh, mm, that's a good question. Uh, you probably could. Cause you can get them for a mobile home. Yeah. And they have a yeah. mobile home and boats and stuff. And, uh, do you need electricity? No, well, well but probably you, battery. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take a ton of power. No. Mm. I'm learning so much today. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, what? but I tell you what, so let me just tell you the, you know, when we were at the Raleigh farm show, um, at the beginning of this year, um, they had, uh, a sprayer, a new sprayer, like a, you know, one of the new name brand sprayers. I don't know if I can say name brands. Uh, I don't, well, I start, I, I guess I said Starlink earlier. So I, a John Deere sprayer. And that sprayer brand new was about, I believe it was $800,000. And, and so when you talk about, okay, our product is going to be 40,000 and it's going to save you money. You know, of course you still have to get a sprayer and spray the whole field. I mean, during what's called burn down, which is at the beginning of every year before you do your, you know, before you plant your crops, you have to do what's called a burn down and that kills everything um, on the, on top of the soil. Um, and there is times where you will have to broad spectrum spray and an average farmer sprays about 10 times broad spectrum. And we're trying to um, cut that down at least by half. So if we could cut that down by half, that's where that savings comes in that Sherry talked about earlier. Is there a certain type of crop that this works best for, or is it crop agnostic? Sherry, you want to tell them about that? Because you love saying that. What's that? The customizability. Oh, the, yeah. We are, yeah. We are 100% customizable. The model can be trained to detect anything. So if a farmer has a problem with an insect, a weed, uh, a disease, we can detect anything. Right now, uh, we are working with the Advancement Foundation in Buena Vista to uh, detect lanternflies, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because I'm just thinking like from a uh, like a cornfield standpoint, mm -hmm. corn grows to be pretty tall mm -hmm. and uh, it's pretty dense that it would be. Yeah. We were working on corn earworms, but they're not they're not as detrimental. As they used to. Hmm. Yeah, Plus, you we can't really them. see them. Um, yeah, we were working yeah. with them with Virginia Tech, yeah. and then we moved to a worm. That's the pilot program that we did with them, was uh, yeah. worms or some beetle in soybeans. Yeah. So hmm. now we're working. Now we're working on the splattered lanternfly, and then there's a worm. It's it's microscopic, but oh, yeah. it's killing uh, beech trees in Virginia. So we're working on that right now. Wow, I mean, what kind of cameras do these drones? I mean, when you're, I mean, you're talking, we're talking small, small mm -hmm. pests. Uh, to be able to detect that is is pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah, and if we can, yes, and well, actually, what we're doing is to capture these images. We're we're using a regular camera for the the beech tree tree, though we're having to use a special camera, but we just train the model. And then it can detect anything. Once the model's trained, it can detect anything. Hmm. And we uh, detected at the earliest form up to, like Diana said, uh, pigweed up to the most adult stage. Right. Can it wow. train children? I wish. <laughs> I have a puppy. I really wish it. Oh, well, I was going to say dogs next. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My bad dog battle trains this puppy though. No, I'm kidding. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, we had before COVID hit, we were at a, um, a conference in uh, Las Vegas mm -hmm. and we met a banana farmer there that was from Ecuador. And there are five, five or six stages of disease in banana and we were bananas and we were talking to him. And if you could catch this disease in the, the first three stages, you could save the banana crop. But anything after stage three, it ruined the crop. And he was talking to us uh, about coming to Ecuador and training our model to detect this disease and then COVID and we couldn't go. And so he said that that year he had lost 600,000, 600,000 or yeah, 600,000 mm -hmm. pounds of bananas were lost to this disease. Yeah. It's called black cigatoka. Black cigatoka. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. RIP to those bananas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, so that's just, so that's your answer answer Tim. Yeah. Um, our model can be used to in any crop, you know, grapes, vineyards, what Virginia's famous for. Um, mm -hmm. apple orchards, any any crop. Um, we, we're not that's why that's why we wanted to do what we're doing because we're not training our model to recognize the crop. We're training the, our model to recognize the pest. So that, so they can be recognized in any crop. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious from a, from a robotic standpoint, mm -hmm. is it, what is it, did it to be have like a all terrain type of robot or are you looking at the greenhouse effect where you can just go into the greenhouses and then that, that just seems to be a lot easier to travel than out in a field. No, all terrain. Yeah. Wow. All terrain. We can actually awesome. even um, at, you know, at some point we're hoping to get our model into irrigation systems, which y'all spoke to out West, like in Kansas and Iowa and Tennessee, where I have those, the, the miles and miles of farmers they have, to, and they have no rain out there. So they have to irrigate. So as they're irrigating, you know, hopefully one day we can get our model onto those irrigation systems and, mm -hmm. and be able to track it that way. Very yeah, fascinating. It, it really is. It. Uh, we wow. just have so many like you, you, we just see it on our on, on our dinner plates, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And there's yeah. so many. Like I remember, maybe I've told you this Tim before, but like um, like when the the craft beer movement was going on, they were talking about how um, I guess it's still going on, but like um, how many hands of people that touched from place to place, and it was something like fifty three. And just to sit there and think about that, it's just crazy. Just to hear the amount of things that have to happen to my, to, to a banana or to a piece mm -hmm. of lettuce or to a, a, you know, a whatever to get to, to the plate. Like that's, it's just pretty wild to, to think about it from that perspective. Cause we don't think about that. We just mm -hmm. go to the grocery store, we buy the damn thing and, and then we eat it. Right. And there's a lot that, a lot that happens beforehand. And you're almost just like dumbfounded. You just, it's you're just like, wow, how did I never think about these things? Right. And you don't think about how, well, you know, as a farmer, Ken and Diana, Ken and Diana can tell you, and we're trying to save the farmer money, actually, you know, a lot yeah. of money, uh, saving, saving chemicals It puts, oh. it gives more time back to the farmer. Yeah. Cause a lot of farmers now, I mean, traditional farmers, they spent a lot of time in the field. They're still spending a lot of time in the field, but a lot of, yeah. uh, a lot of people today just want to spend time with their family. They want to do something else other than be in the field yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, farmers do, especially during planting season and, and harvest season, uh, they're in the field from sunup to way past sundown. I mean, you can pick until nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and, and, and like, like Sherry said, they um, not only that, the, and I thought I lost my train of thought. Does that ever happen to anybody else? Happens to me uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> she was, you were talking about the saving the farmer time. Oh, the money. Okay. So, so let me just give you an example of the money that we're saving the farmer. So I don't know if y'all kept up with the prices of Roundup. Let's say Roundup. Right. Well, the reason I say Roundup right. is that's the most familiar. Um, so Roundup in 2022, I believe, went from went from $10 a gallon to $60 a gallon. That's what a $600 increase. I mean, 600% increase. So that and that's just one of the chemicals. Um, one one day, Ken brought in a a quart size chemical, and and he just showed it to me. He said, "Guess how much this is." And I don't even remember what the name of the chemical was, but that quart, that little quart size chemical was $700 and, and it was a quart. And I said, how many acres is that going to cover? He said, oh, about a hundred. I said, so does that mean we, we have to buy three of these, four of these? I mean, it's, it's insane. That's just one, one uh, round of spraying. So, you know, it's mm. just, it's, they, I, I would say, farmers spend as much money on chemicals as they do on the seed and seeds are expensive. Like a bag of corn is $600, one bag of corn. And I think you can, uh, I think that covers two and a half acres. Um, so it just goes into it. A lot goes into farming a lot more than you think of it. And, you know, a lot of, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it's just fascinating to me that farmers are business people. 
and you just don't realize how much they have to pay attention to the markets, you know, it like and sell their crops at the best time possible. And you, they, you know, you don't have control over the markets or you don't have control over the cost of chemicals. Um, so there's so many things that and, and as um, Zach's pointed out earlier, you you don't have control of the weather. Nobody can have a control over that. Only the Lord above, right? So, <laughs> so, so it's just um, anything that we can do to help the farmers. That is what our passion is. I'm, I'm just I'm looking at our our show notes in preparation, and I, and I'm not sure which one of you completed this, but I, will you at any point help garlic farmers? <laughs> <laughs> never, never, ever, not me. <laughs> That's funny. I knew you were going to say something like that. No, it's, it, and I'll just tell you the story behind that. Ken mm -hmm. and my You're husband. You're a vampire? Yes, actually, I am. No. <laughs> my, Ken is allergic to garlic. So several years ago, we were, you know, he was getting these reactions and we're like, what is going on? And he is actually allergic to garlic. And so I have learned to cook without garlic and I've gotten quite good at it. Um, and, and so when we go in, so I don't use garlic, so I don't like the taste of it because I'm not used to it. And it, you know, it has a very pungent taste. And so, but going to a restaurant, it's easy to find a restaurant with uh, gluten-free options, peanut-free options, soy-free options. You go in there and tell them that, oh, we have a garlic allergy. They literally look look at you like you're an alien. Like, right. oh, gosh, you can't eat here. I, I, when I was reading this, I was that would make it really, really difficult. Um, yeah. I never thought about how much garlic one consumes until... Yeah. Uh, it's in everything. I read everything. I have to read late. I have to read ingredients on everything I buy. So even like the garlic powder, that's too much? The garlic powder is the worst. Now, I can do garlic oh, yeah. salt. He actually is fine on garlic salt, but garlic powder Gar um, is actually more concentrated than the garlic yeah. clove. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, um, that makes me wonder dinner. what was filled out on that form. Like, we help everybody but <laughs> garlic farmers. <laughs> no, no. It, they, they were, I, I'm a foodie. I love to eat. And I said, but I hate garlic. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, for, for dinner tonight, we're having um, a garlicky uh, bread uh, with uh, garlic noodles, yeah. a little bit of um, garlic for dessert, garlic crusted chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying if you went on the show chopped and garlic was one of the options, you would fail oh. because. It, yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, oh, you know, and I watched. I'm a I'm a big chopped fan. I watch it all the time. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So. Yeah. Got it. <sighs> How did y'all meet? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Through church many, many years ago. Yep. Through through church. Um, Sherry was uh, my group leader at church, and we have been friends ever since. And I would say 20, 20, 20 years ago, 25. 23 years. Yeah. No, what, what year are we in? 23. 23, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So your friends, business partners, do y'all ever fight? And when you do, uh, how do you get through it? <laughs> Wait, I don't think we I don't know if we fight. I don't know. I don't I don't think we've ever fought or, no. or you know. But but I, I think this I think the 757 we we know each other's strengths and weaknesses yes. and I think we complement each other fairly well. And a good understanding of that. I think that that was a good exercise for us. Yeah. Because where one of us is strong, the other one's weak. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so it was good. That was a good exercise going through that because we hadn't gone through that before. Yeah, there's a set writing. We're also is writing. Like is it like a disc test or something? Yeah, disc test. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that, Tim? What? Uh, I've done the Myers Briggs. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've done disc, if I, but I don't remember the results. How about you? Yeah, and I remember the first time I took it. I mean, I, I think I was a high ID, is what it was. And, um, and then they, they were going over like the type of people or other people and where the things are. And as soon as they went over some of the other categories, I was like, oh, that's my wife. And I don't remember what the actual thing was. But when they described like this type of person, I was like, ah, oh, that makes a lot more sense. And so when you think about that from a like a, a founder or relationship mm -hmm. perspective, knowing those strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. and be thinking about that, why they think the way that they do, 
it's it's pretty impactful and yeah. um usually like i think i was like frowning on it at first where i was like i don't want to take this. this is stupid and then i did it and i was like oh this this makes way more sense than i was giving it credit for and right. um yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah it does make sense it makes sense what, what's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about uh we talked about we talked about the drone we talked we talked about what makes us different let's see what else your friend about how it's coming to market very soon yeah i think yeah <laughs> we're hoping to do demos in the in the spring like yeah that's, we'll that's going to be exciting yeah we're, we'll be at uh, a bunch of ag shows in january and february mm -hmm in Virginia and North Carolina. Right. Yep. We talked about how to pronounce the name, Agrecision. I mean, obviously, Agrecision. you know, yep. like I could say it now. Like yeah. I, I feel like my journalist roots are uh, on uh, full effect today. I've right. Yeah. And you gave us Winning. farmers to founders. I just put that yeah. on the desk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just received 2% of your business. I mean, this is wonderful. Go. What a day. Ooh, what a day. Perfect. Good day. <laughs> You know, it's fine. They haven't said no yet. And so, you know, it's, maybe it is not going to happen. <laughs> no, I really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. Thank, thank you. This is Super fascinating stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the feedback from the, the viewers because it is super, super fascinating. Yeah, is there something that maybe we haven't thought about talking about? I don't know. I think it's all Granby from here. So okay. <laughs> we appreciate your time as well. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing these six foot bad boys flying, flying over the world. Yeah. And um, yeah. I love yeah. that. Definitely. All Let's right. Let's make it happen. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you thank so you. 